Hey folks, Chris and Rich here. Uh, just want to talk to you real quick about the folks we do our podcast hosting through. Our podcast is powered by Podbean Podcast Hosting. Now, if you're thinking about starting your own podcast or you're looking for the best home for your podcast, I want to encourage you to check out all the amazing features that Podbean offers with unlimited bandwidth and storage for an affordable price. That's right, it's unlimited. So visit uh, podbean.com slash V-O-R radio to check it out today. And again, that's podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash V-O-R-R-A-D-I-O. Thanks for checking it out. We'd really appreciate it. And if you're wanting to podcast, this is a really great place to do it. We've been doing with this with them for quite a few years now, and we've been very uh, grateful for all their help and for their the tools that they have available. Please give it a che- uh, check, and I think you'll be happy with it. So now we're on to the show. Welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio, your hosts Chris Honholtz and Richard Story, joining you on this June 23rd, 2023. That's 2323. <laughs> that was a really bad joke. Anyway, sorry folks. Uh, thank you for being with us. Thank you, by the way, for being a little bit patient with us. We had hoped to record this last Monday, and then it was my fault this time. <laughs> um, I, I texted Rich and I said, I can't record tonight. Why? Well, because... Silly me, uh, doing something around the house, trying to find something in my uh, my son's room, and well, I just knocked over his nice flat screen TV that he personally purchased out of his own pocket and shattered it. So <laughs> I was not in the greatest mood because I had to turn around and go buy him a new TV. So uh, when Dad messes up after you've taught the kids for so many years, you know, and they're in their late teens now, they're holding jobs, and it's like if you do wrong. You make a, you make amends for it. Well, Dad had to make amends for it, and I was not in a good mood. So <laughs> I appreciate your patience because that one was on me, folks. I'm uh, really sorry about that. Uh, but I'll tell you what, all that energy came in really useful. I pulled a lot of weeds out of that front yard that, that, that night. I was a busy, busy weed-pulling man. So, But we appreciate your patience once again. And thank you, by the way, to everybody who tuned into the previous episode on Rick Warren. You guys blew our minds um look we don't like to do number things because it makes it sound like we're bragging about numbers that's not the case but i I, just to give you a snapshot of what happened rich and i recorded that episode on rick warren and his rants against the sbc prior to the uh, sbc annual meeting and we did so as we said at the time because we really didn't think that the messengers at the sbc would uphold the the removal but we wanted to address his manipulation because it's something that you see in modern evangelicalism. In six days' time, you guys did something that has never happened on this show before, ever, in over seven years. In six days' time, that program was downloaded 1,000 times. By the seventh day, it was like 1,025, 1,030. In a week's time, you guys set the highest record I don't think we'll ever see again for a single episode. And it still continues to be listened to. It's, it's mind blowing. It's, it's now it, when, when Podbean gives us our stats and we look at the screen and we can set for like all time out of the top 10, that episode is now number four out of all time downloads. That was astonishing to us. Um, you guys, Thank you, because we really hope what that episode did was to help people think through when you see somebody like Rick Warren or anybody in general use that kind of emotive language that you see the manipulation that's being done to avoid personal responsibility. And that was really what it was about. And then the unthinkable happened to Rich and I. The SBC messengers, by a landslide, upheld the removal of Saddleback from the SBC. Like, it wasn't even close. It was like 88 to 
a percent to eleven percent. It was astonishing, uh, and just an amazing, amazing uh, event that at that at that particular meeting. That was now the annual meeting. There was something that occurred there. We're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. But I just want to thank you for that. And by the way, you guys did something else for us that we still to this day cannot imagine has actually ever happened. As I sit and look at Podbean's website right now, in over seven years, um, most of which this all came up probably in the last few years, probably since 2019-ish, when we began to see just a, a, a dramatic increase in listener uh, retention, I guess you would say. And then since January of this year, just an amazing increase because some of you are just beyond so kind to continue to, to pr uh, listen to the show and share it with others. Uh, we've just seen this amazing increase in listenership for us. You know, this is this we, we're still very small fish in a very large pond, but we, we we're about to see a, a threshold cross that we've never thought we'd ever see. As of right this moment, as I look at the Podbean website, we are at 99,742 all-time downloads, which means with this episode, somewhere in the next few days probably, we will cross the 100,000 threshold mark for all-time downloads since we started in April of 2016. That is God's grace and your generosity. You guys did that. All, all we've done is show up, record, and upload. <laughs> you know? You guys did that, and by God's grace, we're still here to, to continue to record. We just want to thank you from the depths of our heart for continuing to be part of the Voice of Reason Radio family and to continue to share what we do. Um, because it's it's really what it is. is that we've joked about it before. We're just two knuckleheads. We, we, we're not seminary trained. We're not scholars. We're not pastors. Some of you apparently think otherwise i haven't figured that one out yet but <laughs> but um we're just two brothers in christ who decided we wanted to use our time to glorify god and edify the saints by putting this podcast together and having what is really just a conversation between brothers about a particular whatever particular issue we want to talk about that week and trying to talk through it biblically so that we encourage you to look at everything through the one focal lens. You should always look at everything through, and that's scripture. So thank you for making that possible. Thank you for continuing to listen to the program. Thank you for promoting it for us. You guys have been amazing. Um, so we thank you for that. This is your work. We're, we're just kind of along for the ride, in my opinion, Rich. Um, but thank you again. I uh, want to remind you, our website is slavetothekeng.com. We are trying to put more material on there. Um, if I can just discipline my time, I'll try to write more stuff. A couple of you have suggested or, or ha did respond to a suggestion we had about as articles come out to make those kind of a mini podcast that we can link on the website so that if you're not someone who can, cares to sit and read uh, on a computer screen but you want to listen to what was what was written, uh, that you guys like that idea, Um I'm, I think I said before, I, I'm just going to try to figure out how to do that. Uh, Rich has come up with maybe a title help to differentiate those. Uh, so we'll, we'll work on that. And uh, we pray that you ask that you pr pray for us to, to discipline our time to do that uh, more regularly. But please go to the website, slavetothekeng.com. Try to sign up and be a, a follower of the website so you get updated information about when episodes come out and when articles drop, etc. And of course, contact us page. Uh, social media links, uh, how you can support the program are all there as well. And uh, as always, we are part of the Christian Podcast Community, so please go check out Christian Podcast Community. You will always find some really good programs on there. So putting all that out there, just want to thank you again. And uh, Rich, now that now that I've actually shown up this week <laughs> and, and actually I'm able to record it without breaking something else in the house, how are you doing this week, brother? <laughs> Well, as always, brother, better than I deserve. And Amen. Even, even during bad days like you had the other day, we need <laughs> to remember we are better than we deserve if we're truly saved in Christ. Because Amen. no matter what we face as we walk this earth, nothing will surpass the glory that we'll have with Christ in heaven. So 
if you're having one of those very, very difficult days and things are going a bit haywire in your life, I would encourage you to stop, pick up your Bible, open the Word of God, read it and remember and give thanks to Him for granting you salvation and remembering that He died to set us free from the bondage of sin and to be thankful and to remember we're always better off than we deserve if we're truly in Christ. Amen. Um, but commenting on what you said earlier, this episode is not necessarily about a particular sermon that occurred during the Southern Baptist Convention, but we're going to kind of use that as an example to illustrate the point we want to make in this episode. Now, before we get started, I'm going to pose a hypothetical to my brother, Chris, um, and it, it will have applications. Chris, if I gave my three-year-old granddaughter, if I served her dessert prior to supper one night, mm -hmm. you know, that would be special. That would be, you know, kind of out of the ordinary. She probably would enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But if I continued to do it every day for, say, five or six months, she would expect that every day all the time. But when I stopped giving her dessert prior to eating dinner or supper, whatever you want to call it, if I stopped all of a sudden and made her go back to eating supper first, she's going to pitch a royal hissy fit because mm – -hmm. She's not getting what she preferred. She's not getting what she liked. She's not getting what she wants. Sadly, within American evangelicalism today, we see that, but on a broader scale, because for so many years, especially with, and we'll use the SBC as an example, for so many years, they've kind of had a blind eye to certain practices that were going on mm -hmm. within some of the churches. Now, Men and women are standing up and saying, no, this is wrong. We shouldn't do that. And in today's world where, you know, for decades we get the judge not thrown at us as a catch-all that, you know, you're doing something wrong. Now it's becoming more and more normal to hear somebody scream, well, you're just causing mm -hmm. division. You're being divisive. You're, you're, you're causing a split within the denomination because you're not allowing someone to do what they enjoy, what they believe to be right. Mm -hmm. The problem is when we turn a blind eye to sin and to disobedience to the Word of God, and it becomes habit, when correction is brought forth, when discipline is imposed, people will stand up and scream, you're being divisive, you're being... You know, you're causing a split. You're causing division within the body. The problem is people don't stop and think what is and what is not biblical division because when it comes to that subject in the Bible, both in the Old and New Testament, it talks about not causing division within the body, but it also gives examples in times when division is needed mm -hmm. and is a must. So with that being said, do you agree with, with the example I just put out there? Absolutely. I, I think that's absolutely spot on with what we're seeing, not even just the SBC, but in broader American evangelicalism as a whole. There has been a steady diet of maybe not always unbiblical, but sub-biblical practices, uh, pragmatic practices, um, things that tickle the ear, things that make people feel better, but aren't necessarily what people need to uh, to hear and understand and apply in their lives that should be coming from the pulpit. And they've been fed that steady diet of dessert, as you, as you so poignantly point out. And what has resulted is you have a, a generation, multiple generations really, of professing Christians who do not understand what it means, what actual unity and actual division means. And we kind of saw that with this sermon that was preached by Todd Unzicker. I think that's how you say his last name at the SBC. I think it was on their second day. And um, when it first happened, it most of what I was seeing online was a lot of, a lot of people were very upset. And I believe rightfully so based on some things that he said that were attacks. And I, I don't think there's any other way to put it 
against those who were speaking against unbiblical practices within the SBC. He was being very... I, I think if you guys... We'll, we'll put this in the show notes. If you're not familiar with uh, Keith Foskey, he's the... Uh, the or you might be familiar with him. Maybe you don't know his name as well. He's the one that puts out a lot of those church denomination videos, like the dis, uh, denominations discuss Father's Day. They discuss the Super Bowl. They discuss Mother's Day. They discuss Christmas. All these different denomination videos. And they are hysterical. They're absolutely fantastic. Love them. But he also has a podcast called Conversations with a Calvinist, and he has a YouTube page where he posts a lot of this stuff. He did a really fantastic review of Todd Unzicker's sermon. You get to watch it and listen beginning to end. There does seem to be, because he's pulling this from sermon audio and streaming it and reviewing it, there did seem to be a couple of little hiccups in the stream itself. I don't believe that's Keith's fault. That's just the internet. It just does that to you. Um, but generally you get to, to hear the entire thing. You get to hear his comments about it as an outsider looking in because he's not SBC. So he's going to be more objective, I believe. And then his final analysis, which I believe lines up with what Rich and I would have observed watching from afar, which was there were things that Todd Unzicker said that weren't wrong. Um, it certainly wasn't an expository sermon. It was more topical. It was more kind of a, rah-rah about how great the SBC is at the beginning and then barbed with a lot of uh, kind of how dare you type of commentary toward those he felt was being divisive. And uh, in the end, I mean, I think it was, uh, I think it was inappropriate what Todd Inziker did. And what he really did was kind of this, um, he, he said things like, are we going to be led by people who tweet more than they pray, right? Uh, talking about how we need to be unified in missions, but you have people who are too busy fighting with one another and making cheap, cheaply made synodox, which is a referral to by what standard that was put out uh, by Tom Askell and others uh, to address what happened. When We talked about this on the show before, Resolution 9, which was a, a way to import critical race theory and intersectionality into the SBC, he made a lot of these barbed comments, as Keith pointed out, he really had an axe to grind. And so it was, in doing this, it was a very divisive sermon, if you could call it a sermon, but one at the same time where he was calling for we need to have unity and specifically in his sermon saying we need we are we need to have unity in missions meaning the preaching of the gospel going out evangelizing discipleship as southern baptists so he was decrying division saying that there are people causing division but he was being specifically divisive toward individuals he who, who he believed were not saying the things that they needed to say. And um, the point in all of that is that Unzicker was attacking individuals who he believed at these SBC meetings were or online were raising uh, concerns about SBC practices and then coming into the SBC meetings and raising those concerns and, and seeking uh, resolutions and amendments and investigations to deal with problems that were occurring in the SBC um, at the SBC annual business meeting. And if you, I would encourage you to go listen to that that sermon, you, it'll be more clear. But it was it was very unfortunate what he was doing because he himself was causing division, yet calling for unity. So uh, before we go further, Rich, any thoughts? Well. Um... We could do an entire episode on the labeling the SBC convention a business meeting, but in that context, what is supposed to take place at a business meeting? Mm -hmm. It is concerns and issues involving the church, or in this case, a denomination. That is exactly the place that the messengers go mm -hmm. and come together and talk through and iron out these different issues that by definition is part of what a business meeting is for other than um something to do with budget or, or these other things but i'm glad you brought that up because i think at least briefly we need to address 
some of the definitions within the term division, Mm -hmm. because sadly in today's world, if someone disagrees with you, you're, you're the one calling division, you know, but they seem to lack the understanding of what Paul meant and what Christ meant when in the, in the verses it talks about basically good and bad division, because there's a bad type of division and there's a biblical type of division. Um, Paul wrote quite extensively on different types of division, as well as Christ himself spoke quite often about division. But if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, Paul is talking about, in addressing the church in Corinth, you claim to follow Paul, you claim to follow Apollos, you claim to follow Peter or Cephas. Um, and he asked the body, is Christ divided? What he's getting to is divisions that are not grounded in biblical mm-hmm. truth. This would relate over in our terms to a church splitting over the color of, a, of the carpet that they're wanting to bring in and you know remodel the church sanctuary, and they're going to bring in whatever color carpet. As silly as this sounds, me and my wife know, personally know, of a church that split because they could not come to an agreement on the color of the carpet in the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. That would be an unbiblical type of division. Paul addressed division about those bringing false teachings into the church. Paul addressed divisions about bringing in work salvation into the church throughout the New Testament. He was standing on the Word of God and stated there must be division among you in order to know what is true. We can look at a lot of parallel things in the Bible, even when Christ talks about separating the tares from the wheat. He's talking about those who profess to be Christ at the end of time when the sickle is laid in and the true followers of Christ and the goats in Christ are separated. That in itself is division. There are, there are numerous examples we could provide when it comes to division. The problem is, and, and we'll use the SBC issue as an example, too many people within American evangelicalism have tried to say, okay, this is a primary issue, this is a secondary issue, this is a tertiary issue. Mm-hmm. They're right and they're wrong at the same time. They fail to realize that anything that is a disobedience issue, anything that is a sin issue, is a primary issue because it goes contrary to what the Word of God actually teaches. We should stand firm on the Word of God. We should stand firm on this is what the Bible says, this is what we're going to do. But sadly, in the under the flag of compromise and unity, especially over the last two decades, far too many who profess to be Christians have picked up the banner of compromise and unity and abandoned the Word of God completely because they're more worried about coming across as we're all united, we're just... We, we all just love Christ. We all just do this. We just we must do that. But the problem is, when you compromise on the Word of God, you're going to compromise on everything. And sadly, it's biblical truth and what Christ has actually stated and what Christ expects from us, how Christ expects us to worship Him, how Christ expects us to perform, go about church. All these other things suddenly become secondary because, you know, we must have unity at all costs. And that seems to be the primary banner of American evangelicalism today, because I know and you know for a fact some of these prominent teachers and pastors are partnering with Muslims. They're partnering with Roman Catholics. And they're saying, well, we agree in all these other places. We can just disagree over here. Right. And that's sad and that's disturbing. And that's part of the reason we're where we're at today, because trying to bring growth in numbers to the church, to a denomination, or, or to a local church in attendance. You know, they start compromising a little bit here and a little bit there, and eventually they've invited the world in to a point to where they, it doesn't even resemble a true body of believers anymore. Does any of that make sense to you, brother? Absolutely. And in fact, it's it's interesting you were, you're pointing out you know, the issue, oh, secondary issues and and tertiary issues. We actually did an episode on this about just almost a year ago now on the debate over secondary issues in Scripture, and we actually, uh, I'll put this in the show notes, because 
there are, in one respect, areas of uh, of doctrine that are so primary that if you deny them, you are not of the faith. Like if you deny Jesus is God, or if you deny his salvation is in Christ alone, or you deny the triune nature of God, they're absolutely, you know, um, of, of of primary importance. And as you work outward in doctrine, there are areas that we might find disagreement, but yet we're brothers in Christ. And then there are areas that, you know, it's almost like this kind of kind of concentric circle. But as we said in that episode, that doesn't make them unimportant. And I think that's one of the key issues here is that when people are saying, oh, you're being divisive over these these secondary issues, and which was what Rick Warren was doing for the the whole issue of you know, women preaching as pastors. He was, oh, it's a secondary issue. We don't need to divide over this. Um, it, it, secondary doesn't mean unimportant, especially if the, if the issue is one of obedience to the word of God, which was what that issue is about. And so I, I, I'm, I'm very much right on with you because we have to understand division can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing, but it depends, you know, there are some people who say, you're divisive as if division is always a bad thing. Well, if we want to say divide true from false, that would be a good thing, right? I, I, I would hope you as listeners would agree with that. We would divide with, say, many of the heretics on TBN, you know, your, your Benny Hins and your Kenneth Copelands, your name it and claim it, blab it and grab it pastors. And I say pastors with air quotes. We would divide over over that because what they teach is unbiblical heresy. So there are places we would agree that it's necessary to divide. So division is not always a bad thing. So the issue of, well, you're being divisive, as you were pointing out, there must be divisions among you so that we know what is true. When, when, when you establish a, a, a denomination, for example, such as the SBC, and I know they don't like to be called a denomination, but look, you're a denomination. Let's just accept that. And, and say Presbyterians. There's a, there's, a, there's a nature of division there over secondary issues of things like baptism or the nature of authority over the church because Presbyterians believe that there is a structure, an authority structure over the church. Where the SBCs are, the SBC churches are independent churches that work in cooperation with one another. So there's a division there, and and that's a necessary thing because they believe that these are important issues of the the function of the church. It doesn't mean that they believe that Presbyterians are are false and SBC is true or vice versa. Well, okay, most most of them probably don't. I'm sure there's some hardcores that probably see it the other way. Um, but division is necessary to establish doctrinal truth that actually forms the basis of what you believe as a denomination and a church. And so when you have someone like a Todd Unzicker, who, number one, is complaining that people are doing SBC business at the SBC annual meeting, I really don't get that, but you're talking about people coming and according to the Baptist Faith and Message, which is basically their constitution, and addressing issues within the SBC, these are issues of pr uh, practice which are governed by what? Doctrine. So you are talking about, you're, you're, you're lambasting people about being divisive over issues of doctrine and practice, which is ridiculous. Because you have to, you actually have to examine that. Um, there was something, I, I wrote this today on Twitter, and, and I'll just read this real quick, and, and then I'll, I'll kind of point to what I was reading from in Scripture. Um, what I wrote on Twitter today is, as I can't help but notice that when Paul calls the Ephesians to maintain the unity of the Spirit, he immediately follows this with a doctrinal statement. Our unity with those in the professing church is not merely a go-along to get-along. We are not called to be unified with anyone or anything that labels itself Christian without first being biblically discerning. Genuine unity is found in biblical truth. That's what you were just saying a minute ago, Rich. In the same chapter, Paul identifies the offices which God uses to teach and build up the body of Christ in biblical truth. This is for the express purpose of growing the body in wisdom, maturity, and unity. Furthermore, 
It is so that we may not be swayed by every wind of doctrine that comes from human cunning and deceitful schemes. The unity of the faith is a unity built upon the inspired, infallible, inerrant, and all-sufficient word of God. It is a very basis for what divides the true church from the false teachings of the world. When someone calls us to be unified, it, if they are not seeking unity that first comes from sound biblical truth, then we must be wary. Unity with falsehood is not unity. It is compromised with the world and puts us at enmity with God. So that's something I put out on, on Twitter today. But the point of that is, is that when you read chapter 4, you, you go to chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, this is what I was talking about. Paul writes to the Ephesians, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let me stop you right there. He is calling for a practice of the Christian faith. We are to walk in a manner and worthy, uh, walk in a manner of uh, worthy of the calling which we've been called. So how we then live, we are called to live a, and, and practice a certain way, which includes humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, being eager, eager to maintain unity, right? And then he goes on to verse four. This is now, a, so he's just said, I urge you to walk in this way. I urge you to practice in this way. I urge you to be unified in this way. And then what does he say? Verse 4, a doctrinal statement. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Okay, so he immediately goes from calling for unity in the spirit to a doctrinal belief. We are unified in a doctrinal belief in which is found in Scripture. And so when you have someone like a, a Todd Unzicker that says, we need, and his big thing was we need to be unified in missions, you know, with this, this is our this is what we are unified in. Paul makes it more specific. He says, you're to be unified in the faith, which is based on the doctrine of Scripture. And and, uh, and and let me go to you in just one second. I just want to say one other thing, because he says he get you know in the following passage that it was you know when Christ went up to heaven he says when he ascended on high he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. That's in verse seven, and then he goes on to in verse ten, or excuse me, verse eleven, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. And then he goes on to say, you know, in verse 14, so that we no, may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves, by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by honey, human cunning, by craftiness, and in dece uh, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So not only are we called to be unified in the faith, not only is that faith defined by doctrine, but God appoints, uh, he appointed apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip us for that purpose. Rich, this is what I don't understand when I hear someone like a Todd Unzicker or anyone. I think Todd Unzicker, I don't want to be mean to the guy. I'm not trying to pick on him. I think he's just a great snapshot of what we see within the Christian, professing Christian world of you're being divisive over those doctrinal issues. They're secondary issues. We can get along without them. We need to be unified. Well, Paul says unity is found in doctrine to the point that Christ appointed teachers and preachers and other offices to teach us this. Am I wrong? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You're right, brother. Um, and our listeners, if you're listening to this episode, you have homework. Click the links in our show notes and read these topics in more depth. Um, we have several links in tonight's show notes. I would encourage you to go through each link and read the information provided. It will give you more in-depth study behind 
what we're discussing tonight. But I think one point Chris is making, and it was made in an article on Ligonier, I think the author was John MacArthur, mm-hmm. and it stated that, quoting John 8.32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. John seventeen seventeen, and Paul says in Ephesians four fifteen, speaking the truth in love for Christ and his apostles, it was inconceivable that one could love another person by throwing away truth for the sake of peace. The Bible never teaches unity at all costs, that we must have peace, even if it means abandoning biblical truth. That is heresy. That is what so many are twisting and perverting the scriptures and are basically trying to convey their, their, it may not be worded this way, but they're saying we must have peace at all costs, even if it compromises biblical truth. But people tend to forget that the only kind of unity that glorifies God in the church is unity in the truth. And the truth itself is God's word. Amen. But it gets a lot deeper than this because a lot of times, and we see it almost daily, people deny that the Bible is the inerrant word mm-hmm. of God. How many times over the last, especially the last year, have we had discussions with certain individuals trying to say, well, that was just Paul's suggestion or that was just Paul's opinion? It doesn't really matter. We're allowed to kind of decide that for ourselves especially when it comes to issues of of women preaching and teaching and exercising authority over men. They deny that the very words in the New Testament are actually from God himself, and that gets down to deeper and deeper and deeper issues. But when it comes to causing division, we must first ask, okay, are they dividing over truth that is written and laid out in Scripture, or are they dividing over something that really means nothing, such as the color of a carpet in a sanctuary, or whether we have pews or chairs, or which place do we buy the pulpit from, or where are we getting our choir robes? These type of things, when people split, a church splits, or someone gets mad and leaves the church, that is true division that the Bible talks about. That is not being united in the Spirit. And what spirit is it that we are to unite over? It's not the spirit of our opinion. It's the Holy Spirit, the mind of Christ himself. We are to be united in that. And what does that mean? It means being united in the truth, in God's Word, as it is laid out in the Scripture themselves. Mm -hmm. That's what people tend to forget, and that should be our guiding post. That should be our guideline when it comes to determining whether someone is being divisive or not. The first thing we must look at is say, okay, what does the Bible actually say about this subject? Well, here's what it says. What do other scriptures say about this subject? Well, here's what they say. Here's what other verses are commenting about that. Sometimes it is just as clear as black and white, and yes, sometimes there are some gray areas that we may have to have deep discussions about, but sadly, more times than not, when people today are throwing out that word, you're being divisive, or that accusation, they're not talking about those deeper texts, those deeper scriptures that can be a little bit hard to understand. Mm -hmm. More times than not, it's very plainly written when it says, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. That's not Paul saying, I do not permit. That is Jesus Christ himself, the Lord and Savior of us, that is stating, I do not permit this. And I think people tend to forget, and we've mentioned this before, that the New Testament is, is you know, we've, we've heard it said that the Bible is a progressive revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, you can drill down in that even further. The New Testament is the progressive revelation of Christ building his church on earth and how that church is to conduct itself and worship Christ and the order of the church, and who is and who is not to teach and lead the others. You know, when when you get an individual that becomes so wrapped up in the cause and abandons biblical truth because this cause has become so important, that is the main thing, that's the primary thing, just like you were 
re- mm-hmm. referencing this pastor talking about we must be unified in missions. Well, even in that, those missions missionaries must be unified in the truth in the Bible. It doesn't mean, well, this couple, we're going to send them to South Korea, and they're going to plant a church, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that, and we're going to fund them. Even then, they must be honoring Christ. They must be honoring the Word of God by the way that they conduct themselves and carry out that mission. It's not just enough to say, well, we must be unified in missions. That's pragmatism. And sadly, that's what many uppers in the SBC have bought into is a pragmatic way of church, a pragmatic way of doing this, this, or this. And that is not the way we've learned Christ. That is not the way we were taught in Christ. And that is not the word of Christ and what Christ tells us to do. Christ does care how we honor him. He does care what we do in our practice. And so many scream, well, we must be orthodox in our belief. But then they are like the world when it comes to their orthopraxy, and that is part of the problem within American evangelicalism today, brother. At least my opinion. What do you think? No, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, the problem becomes the issue of this not knowing what is unity and not knowing what is division. I mean, it's it's interesting because... Okay, so you go to Romans chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. So he says to mark and avoid. Well, what's an example of this? You know, he talks about in, in you know, 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, in verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself for he strongly opposed uh, our message. So here he just he's saying that there are individuals who attack the message of Christ. There are individuals who attack doctrine. You know, you, there is so often, you know, you get these people that say, "Oh, you shouldn't name names," but they forget the book of Jude, which tells us to do just that. You know, um we are it's actually an entire letter that tells us to mark and avoid those who are you know, in contradiction to the word of God, a contradiction to the faith. His whole point, the, the, when Jude writes his letter, was to, he wanted to appeal to you, to, content, to appeal to, he says, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once delivered for all the, uh, delivered to the, for, excuse me, for once for all delivered to the saints. I'm getting ahead of myself. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who were long ago designated for condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Master Lord Jesus Christ. The whole point of that was to identify and divide from those who are contrary to doctrine. So the issue of unity is built upon doctrine. The issue of division is built upon doctrine. And this is what I, I think people are, are so uninformed on. I, I want to be careful how I say this. We are told that division is, oh, you're just being so mean, you're being so divisive. And and, and to be fair with, you know, look, I have brothers and sisters in Christ who are Presbyterians who baptize their babies. And guess what? I, I, I won't do that. But I, I could go to their church and probably sit in on a service and be edified. I'm not going to call, I'm not going to divide from them like I would say an Alexander the coppersmith and mark and avoid them as though they are heretics, but I'm not going to be a Presbyterian. So there's a level of division there where it's like, we could probably attend one another's churches on occasion and be built up and edified in doctrine, in truth, but there's going to be practices that we have some level of division over because we believe this about that doctrine. It's an important doctrine. It may not be an issue of, hey, it's not to the level of the deity of Christ or uh, you know, the, you know, the Trinity and, and uh, grace alone through faith alone and Christ alone. It may not be at that level, but it's important enough that this is what the foundation of our doctrinal beliefs are and we're not going to compromise this. So if I came into a Presbyterian church and started to attack them for their belief in paedo-baptism, well, guess who's wrong? Me. 
because that's the foundational doctrines of their church. It may be a quote-unquote secondary issue, and I really dislike that term because it's it's secondary does not mean unimportant, as we said in our in that one episode. But if I were to go in there and try to create division, that would be wrong. Yet I would not expect them to come into my church and try to convert us to pedo baptism because we're we're credo baptist, believers baptism. And so there's that certain level of separation because we are we have foundational doctrinal beliefs that we are going to practice on but we're not going to be completely divided because we recognize that there's that those these these are doctrinal issues that do not ex, uh, remove someone from fellowship the issue then becomes though if you are within your denominational system say, as the SBC was, or is, and you have this meeting where you are defining the practice of your denomination, and people, according to your doctrinal belief system, are bringing these issues to the forefront, and then you lambast them as divisive, what you've then said is, those doctrinal beliefs are unimportant. That SBC constitution is unimportant. How we practice according to those doctrinal beliefs is unimportant. You are causing division because certain people don't believe the same as you, even though our foundational belief system is clearly defined in something like the Baptist faith and message. May I interrupt you, brother? Yeah. Because you made an you made a very important distinction in this. It's comparable to what Paul faced in his day. Others were bringing new teachings into the church that were contrary to what Paul had been teaching. More times than not, it was a case of the Jews bringing in circumcision, saying, right. you must be circumcised in order to be saved. That, was the, that is a main, thing, main theme throughout Paul's epistles of what he was fighting against. The thing is, this is what you were taught. This is the Word of God, and in the situation where you were talking about with the SBC, this is what we've held to, this is what we believed for a hundred and something years. We, all of the statements we made um, in 2000, it was clarified to stand against heresy that was being brought into the SBC. And you go from 2000 and fast forward to 2023, and you've had groups of individuals disobeying mm -hmm. what had already been established as SBC beliefs and biblical doctrine when it comes to who is to preach, who is to teach the body in the local church assembly. You've got other individuals bringing in some new revelation, bringing in some new teaching, bringing in some new thought, some new opinion, and wanting that to be the norm. Mm -hmm. And sadly, because that has been allowed for X number of years to where you have now an entire generation. If you go from 2020, I mean, if you go from 2000 to 2023, that is an, an entire new generation who have grown up, grown up in certain areas, in certain locations being said, okay, women can do this, women can do that. We're going to have women preachers, we're going to have women teachers. They've grown up under that within the SBC, they've seen it happening for X number of years, and now all of a sudden it's being addressed. The first failure mm -hmm. in all of this was the fact that the SBC did not do enough in 25 and 2010 to stand on the Word of God when it comes to some of these issues. They let that cancer grow and fester to where it was the norm, and now all of a sudden people are standing on the Word of God and saying no, this is not correct. This is what the Word of God says. All of a sudden, they're coming under discipline. They're being corrected, and they don't like it because that's not what we've always done. We, we, we want to do it our way. We don't want to do it the way God ordains this to go about. And sadly, that is that happens more often, not just in the SBC, but within all of American evangelicalism. In 20 years, if not sooner, 
the SBC is going to be fighting and debating whether it's okay for a lesbian to be a pastor. Right. We've seen that door open and, and other denominations go down that path many, many, many times. And sadly, not even denominations, but local independent churches, non-denominational churches. The point is that division is not always, not always bad. Sometimes it is needed and a must because compromise more times than not can be worse than evil itself because when you allow that compromise to come in the doors of your local church and it is a it is an issue that's contrary to what the bible itself teaches and you allow that to come in you know as, as the old analogy if you take one sip of poison in a glass full of water you're still drinking poison even mm-hmm. if it's 99% water you're still 1% poison that's that gets into a little bit deeper issues, but you know, some of the things you were discussing, I think ultimately the problem comes down to people don't understand what should be considered doctrine that we stand our ground on and what are things that we can compromise on that, that it's a fine line in there. It's a middle ground in the narrow way. And people tend to go too far one way or too far the other way. Sadly, most in American evangelicalism want to walk the broad way, broad road of doctrine under the guise of peace and unity. Like I said, I would encourage our listeners to to read through these show links. There's a couple of other quick things I want to share, and I'll let you close everything out. But in that article I was referencing earlier from Ligonier and John MacArthur, they write, Compromise is sometimes a worse evil than division. Second Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 17, isn't speaking only of marriage when it says, Do not be bound together with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness, or what harmony has Christ with Satan, or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. Sadly, this familiar command to separate is frequently both misunderstood and violated, but Paul is not giving believers license for legalism or sectarianism or cultural unity. The one thing that's never asked or ever addressed in some of these discussions that should be is, are we actually dealing with fellow believers in Christ? Mm -hmm. Are we actually dealing with fellow Christians? You can't have unity in Christ with unbelievers. And sadly, in today's world, there are many there are probably more goats than sheep when it comes to who profess to be in Christ. That is one other reason why we must stand firm on the Word of God. We must stand firm on what the Word of God actually and truly states. Um, I'm going to read this short quote by J.C. Rowell, and I'll give it back to you, brother. It's titled, The Great Sifting on the Last Day by J.C. Rowell. The visible church is now a mixed body. And keep in mind, when he wrote this, this would have been some mid-19th century or so. The visible church is now a mixed body. Believers and unbelievers, holy and unholy, converted and unconverted, are now mingled in every congregation and often sit side by side. It passes the power of man to separate them. False profession is often so like true and grace is often so weak and feeble that in many cases the right discernment of character is an impossibility. The wheat and the chaff will come together, will come, will continue together until the Lord returns. But there will be a dreadful separation at the last day. The unerring judgment of the King of Kings shall at length divide the wheat from the chaff and divide them forevermore. The righteous shall be gathered into a place of happiness and safety. The wicked shall be cast down to shame and everlasting contempt. In the great sifting day, everyone shall go to his own place. People today do not want to see church discipline. People today do not want to examine the fruit of what people claim they believe. People today 
do not want to see division of any kind, whether it be good or bad. Sadly, most professing Christians today want their opinion to rule supreme. They want their own goals, their own practices, their own ideas, their own objectives to be the rule and the norm. And sadly, within certain aspects of the SBC and many other denominations, their golden rule has become, if the ends justify the means, then it must be biblical. That is not the Word of God. That is not what we're taught in the Word of God. And unless we get back and stand firmly on everything that is taught from the Word of God, the craziness, the worldliness, and all these things will continue and only get worse because the Bible itself states as much when it talks about people will go from bad to worse when it comes to their not only their beliefs, but in how they practice and how they worship and the things of the world that they embrace. And if I'm wrong in any of this, brother, please correct me. No, I, I think you're absolutely spot on. I, I, I think if we can leave our listeners with anything, you, I think it's important that we understand what does it mean to have biblical unity. I, I, I think, as you pointed out, so many people have said unity at all costs in one form or another. And the problem is, is that they're not defining unity in a biblical manner. They're defining unity as, hey, if we are professing Christians, then it doesn't matter what each of us believes. We must be unified nonetheless. And Scripture defines it differently Scripture defines unity as something that comes from biblical truth. And you go back to that Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says to maintain the unity of the faith. But what does he do? He phrases that on the foundation of biblical truth, a doctrinal statement that defines the Christian faith. If a person is telling you, you need to be you need to stop being divisive over these secondary issues and you we need to maintain unity because of blank what they're saying is doctrinal issues are less important than what i have defined outside of biblical truth it may sound good you todd unzicker is is correct in one respect christians need to be absolutely focused on missions absolutely focused on evangelism and discipleship that is the primary calling that we have. I absolutely agree with him on this. How do you define that? How do you define what is missions? How do you define what is evangelism and discipleship? How do you define and practice those things? You must have a biblical definition for them. You must have biblical truth defining them. If someone tries to tell me, um, well, I just go out and I do nice things for people. I never mention Jesus. I never mention scripture. I never mention heaven or hell. I never mention faith alone by grace alone in Christ alone. I never talk about repentance. I, I just do nice things. That's, that's evangelism. Absolutely false. It's kind. It's a kindness. It's an act of kindness. Sure, we should do good things to help people. Absolutely believe that. But that's not evangelism, discipleship, or missions. So we have to have a biblical definition of those things in order to be unified in the faith and in the practice of those things. And if someone tells you, well, you're too concerned about secondary issues, number one, re refer them to the episode that we're linking here, Debate Over Secondary Issues. And remind them that something being secondary, meaning it's not necessary per se for salvation, doesn't mean that God doesn't care about it. God absolutely does. And he has given it to us in scripture and it defines who we are and what we should be doing. And if we love the Lord and love his word, then what we should be most concerned with first and foremost is conforming ourselves to the image of Christ by practicing those things that he has called us to do and encouraging others to do likewise. That is why, he, you know, as Paul said... In Ephesians, he appointed certain offices so that the people in the church would be built up in the faith, that they would be wise and mature, and they would not be carried away by every wind of doctrine, 
that comes from human cunning and deceitful schemes. So unity at all costs is unbiblical. Unity in the faith, as defined by Scripture, is absolutely biblical. Division over the tiniest of things, such as the carpet, color of the carpet, is unbiblical. Division over, hey, look, we can't practice in the same denomination because we have different doctrinal beliefs that fall within those quote-unquote secondary issues. We are brothers in Christ, so we don't divide completely, but we have a division in our denominations. That's biblical. Dividing completely from false teaching, that's biblical. Raising concerns within your church, within the body of Christ, within your denomination, or with brothers and sisters in Christ over practices that are unbiblical is not division. It is actually the opposite. It is a call for unity in the faith. That's what we need to understand. If someone comes to you and says, how dare you bring up these issues? Remind them, you're not being divisive. You're calling them to genuine biblical unity. What they're calling you to is ignore all that. It doesn't matter. You're saying, no, it absolutely does. And I want us to be unified in the faith. I want us understanding the word of God together. I want us doing you know, the, the living out the Christian life together. I want us to all be calling one another to genuine biblical practice and calling even myself or others to repentance when we fail. That's biblical unity. That is what is biblical unity. It is divisive to tell people, don't you dare care about biblical unity because that's, that makes people feel bad and that makes people not want to do the things that we want them to do and therefore you need to be quiet. Shame on anyone who says that. Because that is actual division. That is telling people who are genuinely concerned about the truth of God's word and calling Christians to practice the truth of God's word and calling them out and saying, hush. And telling the rest of professing church, ignore them. That's division. And that's an unbiblical division. So folks, we hope this has been helpful to you because, like we said, that sermon, I want you to listen to it because I think you'll get an understanding of what we're talking about here. There are ways in which you can present something that sounds true and have it just be an axe blow to your head in a way that just attacks and chops your head off for being, you know, even though you're trying to be biblical, and which I think there were instances of that in that sermon. I want you to listen to it because it's, you're going to see what that looks like, and you're going to go, I've seen this before. I've heard people say that to me. And I want you to think about what we've talked about. And as Rich said, you've got some articles here, and they're not long. They're brief articles. You, it won't take you long to go read them. Go li- read these articles that we have linked in here. Because you need to understand, kind of like what we talked about with the Rick Warren episode, that's, there's, that's a, an effort to manipulate you away from Biblical truth, even though the person may be well-intentioned, it's 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 a, it's it's kind of like the person says, "Well, the Bible says don't judge," right? There's a whole chapter that goes after that statement that talks about how to judge biblically. There's a biblical truth behind that, so let's let's correct your understanding, misunderstanding of Scripture here, and let's get moving forward. This is the same thing. They're mis they may be well-intentioned, but they're misusing Scripture. And they're trying to say, well, you're being divisive and you're actually doing the opposite. You're trying to be, you're trying to promote unity. So don't be swayed by that. Don't have someone kick your feet out from under you and make you feel like you've done something wrong. As long as you are preaching the truth in love, you are understanding the word of God and you're bringing these things forward in a biblical manner, you are calling for unity of the faith. Don't let someone mistreat you and shame you into being silent. Correct their misunderstanding. They're the ones being divisive and they're doing so unbiblically. So again, thank you for the time. We're so grateful. Thank you for so many of you continuing to listen to this program uh, and, and really just, like I said, Rich and I are along for the ride. You guys are the ones doing this. We're just talking into microphones and you guys are the ones that are listening and you're making use of this and you're sharing it with others. So thank you for that. 
And, uh, and if there's anything that Rich and I say on this program that is ever, ever helpful, um, just give glory to God for it. That's not us. That's, that's the Lord. If we, if we totally face planet, that's definitely us. <laughs> so, um, thank you guys. God bless you guys. Uh, we look forward to speaking with you next time. Whatever you do this week, do it for the glory of God and we'll see you next time. God bless and good night.